Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side by side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Some of you came up to me yesterday and uh, voiced a interest in going with us on our Holy Land trip this coming uh, Christmas, the 20th through the 29th, 10 days inclusive, and we have it $899. That's everything. Only there's 34 more dollars there for tips and then for the airport tax. Now, I'm the world's worst salesman. I can't sell anything. Now, if you want to go, you'll have to come up and tell me. I can't sell it. Uh, and, we, and if there's others who would like to sign up, there's only $50 down and as the colored folks used to say, pay the rest on the extortion plant, and, and you go and pay uh, the rest up. And so here they are. Be so glad to see you. Now here this morning we are finding out our attitude toward the Jewish people. I just say this: that the Holy Spirit has given me the burden for the Jew. He just has. Uh, I was born there. My mother taught me to love the Jewish people. Some of her friends there, some of her classmates were Jewish. Didn't know anything but to love them. Didn't know that you're supposed to hate them, you know, as they say that we Southerners are. But, you know, uh, she told me to love the Jew. We had them in our neighborhood. I loved them. Had them in our house. They stayed all night with us. Or even when they left Chattanooga, came back and visited us. They were just there. That was all. But when I went to Northwestern Bible School there in Minneapolis, I was given the great Abrahamic covenant. And therefore, there was the blessing that God showed me that I have for that natural love that he had put there. He had put it there. And, and so I've loved the Jew, and there I was at Temple for many years. And uh, I taught the students there to love Israel, to love the Jew. As one of my students said when I was to preach for him in Augusta, Georgia, some, some time ago, he said, Dr. Cameron just said, I love the Jew once too often. And the Lord says, now go to him. And so I've been with him now for 17 and a half years down here in Miami. And we have seen literally hundreds come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Cameron, what is the method? I want to say this, that uh, the other Gentile workers among the Jews and then the Jewish people that we've led to the Lord Jesus says, Cameron doesn't know how. 
He doesn't know the, the approach. I don't. I tell you the truth. I just let the Holy Spirit lead. I went, I try to buy everything at a Jewish store, try to buy a car from a Jewish man, you know, to get in there and get a testimony. And I went there to take my uh, dry cleaning one time. And she says, uh, and who are you? I says, I'm Dr. Mark Cameron. Uh, what are you? I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. Well, what you doing down here repaying the debt? To whom? To you Jews. And when did you owe us anything? I said, that was a Jew. 1900 years ago by the name of Saul of Tarsus who said that he, he was indebted uh, to the Jew, uh, Gentile and I says he paid that debt so I'm trying to repay it 1900 years later to tell you of the Messiah. Well, got in, you see. I, I one time I was down there on the beach and I said, I understand that they have, uh, to my wife I said, I understand they have some good chopped liver up there at that kosher market. I'm going up there. Okay. So I went on up there, and there were two customers there, three men behind the counter, and the lady that owned the place there at the uh, cash register. And uh, he said, what can I do for you, sir? I said, half a pound of uh, chopped liver. Yes, sir. And all of a sudden, he said, may I ask you a question? I said, sure. He says, now, we've been noticing you going up and down the street here. I said, yes. I live down here at 7600 Collins. Uh, uh, see if we're right. I said, all right. So you're either a congressman or a preacher. I said, you hit it said, well, what are you? I said, I'm a preacher. One said, what kind of a preacher? I said, I'm a Baptist preacher. The owner of the place then asked me, here you are, three people behind the place there, she and two customers, what do you Baptists believe? So for a half an hour, I told them, amen. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the approach, but you know what? It gets over, amen, when the Holy Spirit just gives it there, and we've seen God just open up the places. And now this fall, we're looking for a place. We want you to pray for us. We must have a, a permanent place. All around eight to nine years ago, we had an office, still have the office. But you know what? Some rabbis went together and had us thrown out of the place, said that we were trying to conduct a church, just a little uh, class on Wednesday night. I said we were in a restricted place, so we went to the homes for three years, then HCJB for four years, and then Brother Craig's home again for this past year. They're just sitting on top of each other, so many, so many have been saved, people here, and then we had some representatives in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, then we have our Messiah broadcasters all over the United States spotted, Honolulu, Caribbean, uh, and we can say that souls are being saved every week of the world. Then we have located here, used to have one in Charleston, one in Atlanta, the telephone ministry. And uh, we, we have that two-and-a-half-minute message geared to the Jewish heart. And then if they want to know more about God, call the number, and that's one of our workers, Brother Hirsch, a Jewish man who led to the Lord Jesus some time ago, and uh, he leads them to the Lord all the time. So every week we're seeing Jewish people being born again, and we're just praising God. It's all his. Uh, work. It, it, we can't say that we've done anything. We've just been here. That's all. God's man in God's place at God's time. And we just praise the Lord for it. We have many Jewish uh, students here at Florida Bible College. Many of them. Some of them are full, uh, 100% Jewish, other height, other quarter, other uh, eighth, and so forth. And uh, they're loving the Lord. But you know what? So far, they are all going to the Gentiles. They'd rather be a live coward than a dead hero. And so, you know, <laughs> they're letting us Gentiles go and get it. Now, in, in this, let's turn over here to the 11th chapter of Romans. And we begin there in the uh, 26th verse. What is our attitude? What is Jewish missions today? How must it be carried on? Now, we like to say this, that we're going to be here just a few, few minutes and then go right into some more prophecy. 
and especially where will Israel be during the Great Tribulation. And uh, that is Petra. We believe it with all of our heart, and we give you the Scripture. And Lord willing, that's where we're going to visit again. Three years ago, we did go to Petra. Uh, Petra, what do you call it? Oh, I have never seen such a gorgeous place in my life. And uh, we know this is what God said and where they're going, and we'll give you the Scripture and calls it Petra. And so, therefore, uh, we, we find out that, that that's what's going to happen to Israel. Now, what is our attitude now? What will be the attitude of Israel after the rapture of those that are lost and are left here? How about those that shall be saved? Oh, yes, many shall be saved. But now, what is our attitude now to Jewish missions? Uh, some, oh, about three or four years ago, I was interviewed there on one of the television stations, Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, it was very fortunate. We were on, therefore, around 20 minutes. And that's something uh, uh, that they interviewed there interviewed and put on our books and everything. And uh, the, the man interviewing says, now, I'm a Episcopalian, and says, uh, uh, this is the first time I've ever heard of a man going to the Jews with Christianity. They have their religion. I said, yes, they do. And he says, do you have a cooperation from the rabbis? I said, of course not. And he says, well, what, are you, uh, what do you do? I said, I just go and uh, therefore give the word of God. But he said, don't you think that the Arabs who have had possession of the Holy Land for 800 years have a claim on the land? I says, I ask you this. If you should lose your billfold and I should see your name in there, am I not honor-bound to return it to you? He said, well, yes. I said, when we find that God has given to Israel the whole land of Palestine, and Israel owns it by six claims, by covenant, by gift, by right of tenure, by conquest, by purchase, I think they own it, don't you? Well, I guess so. So he's, I said, why don't we give it back to them? Well, uh, well I never do that. Well, what, what do you do when the Jews come there? I said, we teach them Jesus Christ, the, the one who died for their sins who rose again bodily from the dead, and he will save all that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. We give them the gospel. There used to be Jewish missions that, oh, don't mention Jesus. For, for years, for 20-some-odd years, that was the, uh, the norm. That was the way in which people witnessed to the Jews. Don't tell them that they are sinners. Never mention hell, and they can't stand the mentioned blood. That's what they told me two days, three days after I got down here many years ago to give me some pointers how to win Jews to the Lord. Never mention Jesus. Never talk about sin. And never talk about hell. Oh, they can't say. And blood is repulsive. I turned to Miss Mary and I said, boy, if that's Jewish mission, let's go back home. I said, but I can't talk about Jesus. <laughs> He's my life. I, I can't. I can't do it. Just like the man. Oh, he got so excited about getting saved, he was shouting all over the place, and they said, put him in a barrel and shut it. He said, I'll say glory, hallelujah, through the bunghole. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you, I bust if I can't talk about Jesus. Amen. He, he's everything. Amen. So what did you do, Brother Cam? We begin to preach Jesus. <laughs> well, you begin to tell them, we just told the, the Jews, just like Gentiles, that they're sinners and they all uh, come short of the glory of God. And that therefore they go to Gehenna. <laughs> one lady went out to her house one time and stayed there five hours. She says, uh, we Jews don't believe in Gehenna anymore. I said, you won't be there five seconds before you change your mind. <laughs> Amen. Oh, Brother Cameron, you don't talk like that. Oh, yeah. 
there. They talk to me like that. And love them. Oh, and they love me. Yeah. Oh, brother, you better not give ground. Amen. And why do we have... What you got there? Some copies of the New Testament. Why do we need the new when we got the old? I say, you broke it. That's plain. <laughs> Isn't that easy? Amen. Oh, I tell you, the Lord gives you boldness. Amen. Brother, I tell you, I never would have had such boldness in all of my life. I, and right there, one time, you know, a lady called me and said, Brother Mark, I want you to answer this question if you can. A Jewish young lady, about 25 years old, already led her husband to the Lord. She just wouldn't believe it. I asked her her question. Oh, she said, that's wonderful. She said, could you come over to my house tonight? Uh, say, when my husband comes home by 530, I've got a lot of questions. I said, well, praise the Lord, she's on the way now. When I got over there to the house, there were 17 men there, Jewish men. Cameron Hamburger. And that's where they go. <laughs> and so, you know what we did? Uh, we just began there. And they said, we're tired of you proselyting. Getting these people and getting them to believe in three gods. I said, we do not believe in three gods. There's only one God. You believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost? I said, no, we don't. We believe in God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Different, isn't it? Well, you can't find it in the Bible. I said, it's all right there on the first page of your Bible. What you mean? First verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What is God? Elohim? Okay. Now I say, I am a what? Goy. If I had th two, what would be Goy? He gave me the word. If there are three or more Gentiles, what is it? Goyim. I would say, what is the singular for, for God? El. What is the plural? Three or more. Elohim. I said, that says, in the beginning, Elohim, three or more, created, singular, three and one, created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that beautiful? I said, I got something else for you. He said, what? Let us make man in our image. Well, you know what? They begin to attack each other. All I had to do was just stand aside. <laughs> oh, man. And the lady got saved. Amen. In spite of our... <laughs> oh, the Lord just said, I'm just there. That's all. Amen. It's holy of the Holy Spirit. And we're just praising God for these many, these many who have trusted the Lord. And Father, the Lord in believers' baptism. By the way, we're having a baptism service. After the uh, lunch hour, if you are interested, you and follow the Lord and, and believe his baptism, we'd be so glad to do that and uh, for you. And there are several already going to meet us there. All right, now, here we go. Well, I believe I've said everything I was going to say today. All right, here we go. And so all Israel shall be saved, shall be delivered. The word delivered and saved in the word of God is, is the same, of course. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, the Savior, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Now this is talking about the future time when they shall look upon him whom they have pierced at the end of the tribulation. All right, now what are we going to do now? Now we do know that Israel, the word of God says, though Israel be as the number of the sand of the sea, yet only a remnant shall be delivered, shall be saved. Oh, Israel's got so much to go through in the next seven years. Did you know what? The millennium could be here in seven years. Isn't that something? Did you know it could be if the rapture occurred right now? Did you know the Antichrist will be here in three and a half years? Aren't you glad we're not going to see the old dude? Oh, aren't you glad we're going up? Oh, man. The old scratch of the devil is his own son, amen. Uh, own father, I should say. And therefore, oh, there's all oh, certain things for Israel. Now, here we are. 
What is our attitude toward the Jew now? All right, now, here you are. Now, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, you Gentiles. Not the enemies of the Gentiles, but the enemies of God. And says this, but as touching the election, those who have believed, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Now, here we have repentance means a change of mind. This is not talking about that we should not have repentance, but because we must have repentance. Not turning away from sin, not giving up sin, not being sorry for sin, but a change of mind. Before a man takes Christ as Savior, he has to change his mind about himself, about heaven, about hell, about Christ, and about the gospel, sure. Then he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he says this, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God has never repented, never taken back any calling or any salvation he's ever done. He has chosen Israel to be his earthly people, and though they have broken the law, and though they were therefore uh, responsible for delivering the Lord Jesus to be crucified, as we Gentiles that uh, put the nails in his hand, as we who really put him on the cross, but anyway, they were responsible for delivering him up, and though they rejected their son, behold the man, wasn't that beautiful? He's wounded for our transgression. He's bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we healed. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. They have it in the Old Testament. But they rejected the Messiah. Yet God says, I want you to know that they are still God's earthly chosen people. Because God's grace and God's grace is never Never repented of. God never changes his mind. You ought to be thankful that when you trusted the Lord Jesus and believed that he died for you and rose again, that, that therefore God sealed you with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, that God doesn't change his mind since you've been saved. And the sins that you've committed secretly, openly, directly. Oh, my God still has saved you, and he'll never change his mind. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, our great God. Now, here we are. For as in time past, ye have not believed God, yet now have attained mercy through their unbelief. Isn't this wonderful? That through the unbelief of Israel, God has turned to the Gentiles. Here we are. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. What? You Gentiles have received mercy through the unbelief of the Jew. Now God says they are to receive mercy through your mercy. If we Gentiles do not take the gospel to the Jews, they won't get it. Oh, praise God for those of our workers that are Jewish. Praise God for some of the, these Jewish missionaries who are going out to their own people, but it's so hard for them. But God lets us know that the winning of the Jew right now in this dispensation of grace is in the hands of the Gentile believer. I was in a home one day, brother, they were just giving us Gentiles down the country, born again now. And one man says that one uh, trouble with Jewish missions today is in the hands of the Goyim in the Gentiles. One man said, if we would forget our differences and our jealousies and bind ourselves together, we would say to the Gentile, take your cotton pick in hand off of Jewish missions and let us alone and we'll do the job. Well, here I was, the only Gentile there, you know. 
I went up and said, well, Dr. Cameron, what do you got to say to that? I said, until you Gentile, until you Jews can forget your differences and can forget your jealousies, you just have to abide by what the Word of God says, that through your unbelief the Gentiles have received mercy, that through the Gentiles' mercy the Jews would receive mercy. I said, still in the hands of the going. Ninety-nine percent of the money that's given to Jewish mission is Gentile Christian money. And I dare say, but 90, 95% of the Jewish missionaries today to the Jew are Gentile. You take a Jew, and he's saved, he goes to his own people, it's the hardest thing in the world. They're spitting his face many times or say, Meshumet, you are apostate. Get out. We've seen many of them in our place. One night, or one day rather, I was there at Lipscomb, Alabama, right out of Birmingham, and I received a telephone call from the office saying, Oh, Brother Cameron, these two families that you've led to the Lord Jesus, they have been given an ultimatum by their parents saying they give them to Saturday to give up this Jesus. And if they don't give up Jesus, they're going to read their names out in the synagogue on Sunday, and then they're going to bear their casket, empty casket, on Monday. They'll be dead to them forever. So I sent out several cards and letters, especially delivery, and boy, we were praying all over the United States. Oh, God, do something. Lord, do something. And you know, Saturday night when it came time for them to give up Jesus, one of the fathers of the men had a heart attack. And took him over here at Baptist Hospital and there he was in the hospital for two weeks. He learned his lesson, didn't he? And, and you know what? Several weeks later, I was in their home and this man was telling me whose father had the heart attack. says, you know, I'm so happy in the Lord. He's so real to me, but he said, I am sorry that it's called such sorrow to my own father. I says, I wonder God didn't kill him. <laughs> he said, oh, Brother Cameron, don't say that. I said, I want you to know there are nine people of us all over the United States praying, Lord, stop this if you have to kill him. <laughs> I said, the Lord had mercy upon him. And then his wife says to him, she says, Herb says, we haven't had any, uh, uh, any persecution since. No opposition since. No. It's given to the Gentile with his money, with his means, and by himself to give the gospel to the Jew. It's right there. Now listen to this. Even so have they also not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them in all in unbelief, Jew and Gentile that he might have mercy upon all Jew and Gentile. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed to him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Oh, God. Knows how to get the Word of God out, doesn't he? Give it to the Jew first. They rejected it nearly as a whole. That, and the Word of God said that blindness in part, and we say the greater part, is in blindness until the fullness of the Gentile come in. When the fullness of the Gentile comes in, then the rapture occur. Then God's turning back to the Jew. But right now, God says, therefore, God has turned to you because of their unbelief and you have received mercy. Now through your mercy, they may obtain mercy. Isn't that blessed? Oh, how God does think. How wonderful. Who could have ever thought of such a plan? Only the Lord. Now the Word of God says that blindness in part 
And that is the 25th verse of this wonderful chapter. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile become in. When the fullness of the Gentile become in, then we find out that God is going to turn the word and the gospel back to the Jew and it be theirs again to give out. Where do you find that? The rapture of the church occurs in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. And then we find the two witnesses in the 6th chapter. And then we have 144,000 in the 7th chapter. They're Jews who are preaching the everlasting gospel. So there we find out that God therefore gives it back to the Jew and they are taking it. And uh, the Gentile will have to therefore hear the word of God at either the two witnesses or the 144,000. And therefore they have it. But what do you mean by the when the fullness of the Gentiles is over? Now the time of the Gentiles is when, when therefore Jerusalem is given up and uh, the Gentiles don't have... Uh, have it anymore. Now, as we begin in there, we find that the fullness of the Gentile, we agree with Mr. Schofield and others, that there is in the body of Christ a number that only God knows that is going to be composed of Gentile believers. When that number is over, then we're going up and God turn it back to the Jew. Now, that has to do with that, and I believe something else also. I believe, therefore, that the fullness has to do with sin. We find that, that God's speaking to Abraham in the 15th chapter of Genesis. And uh, he says, therefore, Abraham, you're going to have your seed to go into a foreign country. And there they shall be uh, uh, mistreated for 400 years. But in the fourth generation, they shall come up with great substance for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So we can say when the iniquity of the Gentiles is full, then then. Praise the Lord. The Lord's going to take his bride out of here, give it back to the unbelieving Jew who will have the word of God and will know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, we find out this. We're not talking about the time of the Gentiles, but the fullness of Gentile as well as the time. Now, you'll find that God is symmetric. Everything balances. God, therefore, has dealt with the world through the Jew, beginning with Abraham. I know Abraham was not a Jew. He was not an Israelite. He was the father of them. But we find out this, that beginning with Abraham to Moses was 430 years. From uh, Moses to David was 500 years. From David to Canaan was 500 years. And from Canaan to the Lord Jesus was 500 years. 1,930 years. We find this, that Pentecost came in around 30 A.D. And therefore, four years later, the Samaritans received the gospel. Seven more years the Gentiles received the gospel. That's 41 A.D. From then on, the Gentiles have the ball. And we do know this, that, that the church is not Gentile. It's a Jew and Gentile. But the Gentiles have it. And, and uh, we're finding this, that it's our duty to give it to the Jew and to the whole wide world. And so since 1941, I beg for since 41 to 1976 is how much? 135 years. 1,935 years. How long did God deal with the world through Israel? 1,930. Round them. How long has he dealt with the world through the church, which is preemptively, predominantly Gentile? 1,935 years. Kind of a balance, isn't it? So therefore we find that when the fullness of the Gentiles come in, then ungodliness and blindness shall be taken away from Israel, and they shall behold the one whom they have pierced. So we're getting 
right down there to the... <laughs> everything is showing to us that the tribulation is right upon us. But cheer up, we're not going into it. Amen. God has not appointed us to wrath, the tribulation, but to obtain deliverance, salvation, by His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus to deliver us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 1.10 I'm not looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus to deliver me from hell. I was delivered that the moment I got born again. I was translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love the moment I trusted the Lord Jesus. And I'm waiting for the Lord Jesus to deliver me from this wrath to come, the tribulation. Now, after the tribulation is over, we do know Israel will see the Lord, and they shall all believe in Him. And all Israel shall be saved. Now, as we find out here, after the rapture, what? Shall we go over here to Daniel, the ninth chapter, and we find out that 70th week of Daniel, seven years. The ninth chapter of Daniel, we find out this, that 69 weeks or 483 years are departed unto Israel, and they have already been taken place. And there's another seven or seven years that's appointed unto his people Israel, and it has not been fulfilled. Remember, there are only 490 years from the time that the edict shall be given to build back Jerusalem until the millennium. 490 years prophetically speak of the time of Israel in the Old Testament. All those years, certainly more years have passed than that, but not prophetic years. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, we find out this, that ended the 483rd year, or the 69th week. There's one more week yet to take place. That which is in between cannot be found in the Old Testament. When the rapture of the church again, God's going to push the stopwatch and say, Play ball, Israel, for you have seven more years. Seven, uh, see the things that were done in the, right after the war, uh, six-day war. What a glorious thing to be there. And uh, many people made the statement, Israel's in the land never to give up one inch of ground anymore till the millennium. I said, you don't know your Bible. Why, goodness gracious. And what has happened? They've lost 90 miles east of the Suez. They've lost some of the Golan Heights and some of the Sinai Peninsula. You haven't seen anything yet. Watch it. Watch it now. Oh, they've got the, they gave them free, uh, enterprise and free elections over there on the West Bank, you know, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But hardly any Jews are living there. Some have gone over there anyway and settled. Israel pulled them out. They don't want to have trouble with the Arabs, and the Arabs are demanding that that be a free state, and the United Nations wants it, and America is the only one that vetoed it. But the Arabs are going to get it. And you're going to find out Israel's going to lose it from Bethlehem to Nazareth. Watch it, that's coming. We believe that, therefore, that some of these things that they're going to have to give too, you know. We believe that in this way of doing things. And you remember two years ago when Mr. Nixon and uh, and his prime minister, I should say not his prime minister, but his uh, secretary of state, Mr. Kissinger, went over there. He told the Israelis, he says, you cannot hope to hold everything that you won in this war. You are going to have to make more concessions. They're coming. 
They're coming. Poor Israel's going to get down and down. She, many of her banks have failed. And we find out this, that her two great industries are tourists and oranges. The oranges are still flourishing, but hardly any tourists. When we go over there, we can take any hotel we want, the best, the best of food and so forth. And by God's grace, as the Lord leaves, we'll do that. They say, come over and say, the land's yours. And Israel has lost on that. She's going bankrupt more and more. God has said this, if you shall therefore obey my voice, you shall lend and not borrow. But now they've already borrowed $9 billion recently from America. And they want more. Israel's in a precarious place. And we find out from the Word of God that she will have to confirm the covenant with this man out of Assyria. He's called in the 10th chapter of Isaiah, the Assyrian. And, and so they're going to make a, a treaty with him to guarantee them peace and safety. And so we do know that for the first three and a half years of the tribulation, we're already gone now. Israel's going to live in comparative safety and is at rest. Look here at the ninth chapter about this last seven years. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week for the whole seven years. And in the midst of the week, three and a half years, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Other words, they're going to have the temple to be rebuilt. You may be seeing the laying on of the, the uh, sanctuary itself very soon. And says, he shall cause it to cease for the overspreading of abomination. What is abomination? According to Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, he goes into the temple and sits down. No wonder in the Old Testament of the Old Covenant ever sat down. The Lord Jesus is the mediator of the New Covenant. When he went to glory, he did sit down. But this man is going to come in and sit down and say, I am God. And then he says this, that's the abomination, and he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation, and that determinant shall be poured upon the desolate. And we find in the 21st chapter of Luke, this is when he comes in and sits down and he destroys the temple. Have you ever noticed this, that in the new Jerusalem there's not going to be a temple up there for us? Why? Because Jesus is the temple. Amen. And here we find out the Antichrist is going to destroy the temple in Jerusalem, make it desolate, for he said, he'll take no doubt the very words of the Lord Jesus apply them to himself. And he says, you don't need a temple anymore. I am with you. Now, let's go over here. That, that's going to be just like God said. Look over here in Matthew, the 24th chapter, when the Lord Jesus brings to pass about this time. The 24th chapter of Matthew and the fifteenth verse. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. This is in the midst of the last seven years of Daniel's prophecy. In three and a half years, according to the thirteenth chapter and the seventeenth chapter of the book of Revelation, the Antichrist is going to die. And he's going to have a resurrection. Oh, there's a great comparison between the Lord Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. The Lord Jesus is the Lamb. The Antichrist is the beast. The Lord has God, Jehovah is his father. We find the Antichrist has his father, the devil. We find out the Lord Jesus Christ had a three and a half year ministry. 
We find out this, that the Antichrist shall have a three-and-a-half-year ministry. We find the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. The Antichrist is going to die of a sore stroke and then be raised up again from the dead. We find out this, that the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, has been raised never to die anymore. And the Antichrist will die and have a resurrection never to die anymore. And the Lord Jesus at the bile bomb again shall take him and the false prophet, cast him into the lake of fire where they burn forever and ever. Now, the Lord Jesus did not give them the church. You don't find this the church. Praise the Lord. The, the church has gone up, but he's speaking to Jewish believers here now. Who shall believe in him after the rapture? Oh, do you believe that there will be many to be saved after the rapture? Of course there will be. Let me say this. The 144,000 are going to be saved. And the two witnesses are going to be saved. And then we find there in the, the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation, there, there are going to be many martyrs to be saved through the preaching of the two witnesses that shall die. Oh, then the 144,000 be saved during the first three and a half years. And then they should go out and preach during the last three and a half years. And then according to the 20th chapter and the fourth verse of Revelation, we find many that shall die in the last three and a half years who are beheaded for not taking the mark of the beast, nor bound down to their image. Nor, oh, my. Yes, there shall be those saved during the first three and a half years shall be alive and die. There shall be others who shall, in the last three and a half years, shall be saved who shall die and yet come out alive because we see there in the seventh chapter and he says right after the 144,000 are commissioned he said I saw a great number that no man could number of all kindred tribe and kindred and he that was with me said and who are these that are arrayed in white robes and I said sir thou knowest he said these are they that came out of the great tribulation oh, out alive and washed their robes white in the blood of the lamb so Jew and Gentile will be saved, some to be killed, some to, to be alive in the three and a half years. Jew and Gentile, many to be saved in the last three and a half years, some to die, some to come out alive out of it. Now here's he saying, to those who are alive, at the very beginning of the great tribulation, which is in the middle of the 70th week of Daniel, when you shall see the abomination of desolation is spoken by Daniel standing in the holy place when they... How will they see that? Today we got the answer. When it was given 1,900 years ago, people said, couldn't be done. How in the world will they see the Antichrist going to the tribulation? How will they be able to see the whole world, see the death of the two witnesses, and rejoice over and give presents to one another? We have the answer now. Oh, I remember when I was a boy, when I used to hear him say, Bob, by telephone and telegraph, they, they will let the world know when he crowns himself as God of the universe. Then the radio came in. They said, my, we can get it right when it happens. Then television came, and we said, we can see it. And yet they said, we can't see around the curvature of the earth. So God had man to put up the tail star. Now we can get it just when it happens. Amen. Isn't it marvelous? All these things. Let me tell you, 1900 years ago, when God had, had men to write this, they were all appalled. They said, how could this be to us? No. How in the world the Antichrist will have therefore his false prophet who will make an image unto him who both talks and walks? How can that be? Oh my goodness. Pictures, show, television, or if you want it, robots. They got robots now. They have a vocabulary of 300 words. Oh my goodness, nothing to us now. My, we're just about ready for it, aren't we? Uh, that is, those unbelievers are. I remember, we're going up, all right. And when he comes in, what's going to happen to Israel? That's right there. Here you are. 
Let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. In the 13th chapter and the 8th and ninth verses of Zechariah, we find out that two-thirds of Israel shall be slaughtered by the Antichrist during the, this period of three and a half years. One-third is going to be delivered. The Lord Jesus says, now, when you see this, flee, here you are, and he says, flee to the mountains, let him which is on the house not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, run with your clothes on your back. Then he says this, and woe unto them that it was child to them that give suck in those days, what women in that condition will have a hard time in fleeing, yes, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. Why, why pray it won't be in the wintertime? Now, if it's January, you can't pray for it to be June. They'll have some time, won't they? If we can see this, if we can see he who makes a covenant with Israel will in three and a half years break it, don't you know some of them are going to have the word of God and they'll see it? And they'll say, mine, this man has made a covenant with us for seven years. He's the old boy himself. Three and a half years, he's going to break it. Oh, God, don't let it be in the wintertime. Why not in the wintertime? Because they told not to go back and take the clothes. Run with the clothes on the back. And pray and be not on the Sabbath day. We find the law has been reestablished. Any man found over a Sabbath day's journey can be taken out and stoned to death for breaking the Sabbath. Oh, God. Don't let it happen on the Sabbath day nor in the wintertime. Now, we find out that Mark the 13th tells the same thing. And the 21st chapter of Luke tells the thing. Why Luke gives to us the destruction of the temple. Here it is. Flee to the mountains. Will you look with us over here to the 12th chapter of Revelation? And this comes right into it. And the Revelation, the 12th chapter, tells us of this wonderful place God has prepared for his people. In the 12th chapter and the 5th verse, and says uh, of uh, Revelation, And the woman, that's Israel, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and who to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her children were caught up unto God and to his throne. Okay, that shows his death, burial, and resurrection, ascension. Now, between that has already happened 1,900 years. And listen, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that she should be, be fed, or he should feed her there a thousand Two hundred and three score days, three and a half years. Will you look over there in the thirteenth verse? And when the dragon, that is the devil, was being cast out of Satan, uh, was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which had brought forth the man child. This is Israel. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness unto her place, where she is nursed for time, one year, times, two years. And a half time, half a year, three and a half years from the face of the serpent. And the serpent casts out his mouth, waters of flood. Here he comes down there to take her. Oh, my. And, uh, and that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. When the enemy cometh in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the earth helped the woman and opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now, the Lord Jesus said, flee to the mountains. Here we find out it's going to be in the wilderness. So therefore we take the mountains of Israel and put them in the wilderness and we have no other place but Petra. Years and years ago, about 1933, a man by the name of W. E. Blackstone, a godly Bible teacher, a layman, was so, so moved of the Holy Spirit that someone had given him $75,000, even at that time that was about equivalent to 500000 now. And he went ahead and put uh, 
into print, Jesus is coming. And every Christian got a copy of that in the Bible schools, college seminaries. Even the Catholics, Protestants, all of them got a copy of that. Sometime later, believing that Peter was it, someone gave him a $35,000 legacy, so he went there and put it in print, proving that Jesus is the Messiah in many, many languages, with Bibles in many, many languages, placed them in waterproof bags and put them in boxes and went down to Petra and hid them in these caves down there. And there are thousands of caves. Someone has said, did you see one when you went there three years ago? No. I talked to one man who said that he talked with another one who said uh, saw one, but then he hid it again. I said, do the Arabs know where they are? No, they don't. For if they did, they'd dig it up and destroy them. Well, right there in Petra, Petra, right to this day, there are hundreds of boxes with the Word of God showing, therefore, that Jesus is truly the Messiah. But you know what? The Lord Jesus has already said this, When you shall see the abomination flee, and there shall many who have not taken and will not take the mark of the beast out shall flee down there. And you believe that this is it? Yes. If you should get there, you'll find that there's an entrance into this big place. It's uh, about as big as the Sea of Galilee. The, the, uh, the Great Valley, seven miles wide, 14 miles long, only one entrance into this Great Valley. It has been used from time immortal by different uh, nationalities such as uh, uh, the uh, Egyptians and Phoenicians and so forth have built great, beautiful, uh, uh, carved out temples out of the rock there. And there are thousands and thousands of caves, uh, God-made as well as man-made, and they say they could take care of at least of a million of people there. And God says she's going to be fed there for three and a half years. Now, God reigned upon Israel for 40 years. Angel food, manna. And did you know this is in the valley, I should say, the wilderness of Zin? Exactly the place where Israel under Moses went about for many, many years. There it is. You talk about a wilderness, nothing but rock, very little sand. In this place, we find out that there's still some, some of the structures still standing, portions of the gate. The Romans have been there. You can see their influence. I used to think that the entrance in there, I knew it was just a crack in the wall, crack in the mountains. And I suppose that it was 50 feet or at the most 50 yards to get in. But lo and behold, when we got there, they put us, everyone, upon horse and took us through there three miles. We corkscrewed through that mountain. Then we came, the first thing we saw I knew was going to be there was the treasury. And from there we went on, and back of it we went on to see the great uh, uh, theater that uh, the Romans had cut out of the rock, just as pink and uh Marble you've ever seen, you know, the most gorgeous thing in, in this world. The whole thing, beggar's description. One charge of dynamite, a couple charges of dynamite can keep anybody out. Well, can they crawl over? Oh, it's, it'd be nigh impossible to climb over nothing but rock. Oh, my, they could be wiped out. The enemy come to get them. They have water and a source of water there. But God says you're going to feed them for three and a half years. I hope that America's living and existing after the rapture. America's had uh, her uh, experience, has she, in her great uh, airlifts there, Berlin, and then in 72, 
73, 73 and 74, I should say, when therefore the Yom Kippur War came on, 73, if it hadn't been America, you read Reader's Digest of 74, July, see just what America did. Israel lost nearly everything like the Arabs did in the 67 war. She, her air force was wiped out. She lost 634 tanks in the first hours of, of uh, battle. In the Six-Day War, she lost 475 men. In this Yom Kippur War, 73, she lost over 5,000, equivalent to America losing 200,000. How many did we lose in Vietnam? 50,000. Think of losing 200,000. What a dent it would be made in our manhood. But here it is. The place is there. Ready to take our people. But Brother Cameron, you say it could be the place. It is the place. Now, when I was growing up, my teachers told me never to get on the limb. And so, and so I had to back down. And so I, I have for years and years been saying it could be the place. But you know, I was just reading the last year, and I found out it calls it by name. Turn over here to the 16th chapter of Isaiah. Oh, you don't mean it, yeah. 16th chapter, and I'll be through in one minute. Okay. 16th chapter of Isaiah. Send ye the lamb to the ruler of the lamb from Selah. Look in your margin. You've got a Scofield Bible. What does Selah mean? Petra. To the wilderness, unto the mount of the daughter of Zion, for it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadows the night in the midst of the noonday. Hide the outcast, bray not him that wandereth. Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be thy cover to them from the face of the spoiler. For three and a half years, yes. For the extortioner now, it's going, in three and a half years, it's going to be ended. For the extortioner is at an end, the spoiler ceases, the oppressors are consumed out of the land, and in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in truth, in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment, and hastening righteousness. This speaks about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And sitting and establishing the tabernacle of David, and taking Israel out of that place. Those who have escaped out of the land. Here it is. The place is there. What a beautiful place to visit. And just as you see that, how wonderful it is. As we were there, it was very hot during the summer. Very warm. And as we got there, it was around 110, 112 degrees. There happened to be a breeze there. And when we went into these caves, into these temples and so forth, we found out this, that it was down nearly to 60 and we say, does it ever get cold here? Old said, during the winter it gets very bitter cold. Well, how, how cold is it in these caves? It's 60 now. They said, 60. And one of the dear lady, Ms. Nader, said, isn't that just like God? He's going to give air condition to his people. Amen. Yeah. Hey, isn't it wonderful God's going to take care of them? But now what is our duty now? Oh, give everything we have. Winning Jew and Gentile to the Lord Jesus. Living the separated life completely unto the Lord. Be obedient uh, to get out the gospel. Witness at all times. Oh, Jesus is coming again. And let us not be ashamed at his appearing. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, 
please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.